0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You
1: from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Molly. Molly, one of my favorite childhood movies was mary poppins oh mind you. but i gotta tell you a little something about me and old mary poppins okay well i did i loved mary poppins as a child i would sing along with her i thought she was delightful i wondered what else she would pull out of that magical bag of hers but you know who i really wanted to hang out with in mary poppins that
1: lady who fed the birds oh no she scared (laughs) me (laughs) i wanted to hang out with the chimney sweep dick van dyke oh i mean i liked it when he came by but Jim Jiminy, Jim Jiminy. He had the best songs. I would have hung out with Mary over him. Yeah? Yeah. You're more of the nanny type? i more of the sweeps? I, I didn't like how dirty the children got when they went through the chimneys of London.
0: Oh, man. You'd be I've, no fun nanny. I, I
1: guess maybe I should have hung out with the uptight mother who didn't <laughs> like her father when the children got dirty.
0: Well, obviously, Mary Poppins is not the most realistic representation of the nannying profession a oh. lot of times. You know, they, they're they not going to fly to your house, at least. You know, they'll drive. Um, <laughs> and maybe you might not end up in, like, a cartoon dreamland.
1: But... This is really bringing me down, Kristen. I
0: know. Let's come down, down to reality. But
1: I think that that's a good point to make, because I think that uh, people who hire nannies might wish that that could be their experience. Yeah, because wouldn't you say, if you think about the
0: stereotype of nannies as presented in Mary Poppins, and the stereotype
1: of nannies... And having a nanny in today's culture vastly different. Vastly different. I bet there are moms who would gladly return to Mary Poppins' world and be okay with a woman who takes an umbrella, like you said, to their house. Right, because now it's the the
0: associations with nannies are kind of negative. While they are providing this important service to families, we have these ideas about nannies. You know, encroaching on husbands and stealing children's love away from their mothers and nanny cams, catching them
1: slapping babies. And, you know, there was an article uh, in Forbes about how so many celebrity mothers have to hire nannies in order to get everything done. Their, Understandable. Their fabulous film careers and their fabulous bodies and their fabulous home lives. But they make sure their nannies are never seen in photographs. You know, they always, you know, it's always Angelina Jolie you see carrying her children, whereas you never see a nanny carrying her children. Yeah, but you know the nannies back there. You do. And so I think that they're kind of a, you know, they're, they make us guilty. They make mothers guilty. One, that they had to hire a nanny, but two, just that, you know, they, they may not be fulfilling some societal stereotype of motherhood that, you know, society forces upon them because even Mary Poppins had that dark undercurrent of, the mother not being there because she was, you know, a radical feminist suffragette.
0: Now, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, it uh, terms nannying as, I believe, just domestic. What's the term for it, Molly? Domestic, domestic worker. Domestic worker. Just a general domestic worker. Also
1: includes caregivers for the elderly who might mm-hmm. be in home as well, or maids.
0: Now, I think that there are, on the record, around half a million nannies employed in the U.S., but you can't really rely on those statistics because there are plenty of nannies who are being paid under the table and off the record, which this sort of secret side of, of the nannying industry is one, one big problem that we'll get to a little bit later on. But needless to say, there are lots of nannies out there. And I would even argue that this whole guilt issue with nannies is, is kind of going against the fact that the rise in nannying is reflective of the rise of women in the workplace because no longer are nannies reserved for just the Angelina Jolie's of the world, just for the extremely wealthy. Now you have many women in many dual-income households that need to have a nanny because both mom
1: and dad are working. And they can make that choice because they've got a range of child care options and they prefer to have someone in their home. It's easier for them to have someone in their home uh, than taking a kid to daycare, for example. But you know, while there's also angst about taking a kid to daycare, I, I think there's something that brings on this special angst of having a woman in your home or a man, but more nannies tend to be women, uh, having a woman in your home. That's not you. Mm -hmm. That's tasked with raising your children. And a lot of the articles that we read to get ready for this podcast talked about how fragile that relationship is between mother and nanny. I mean, technically It's an employer-employee relationship. But there are these high-powered women who, you know, at the workplace can give orders left and right and uh, enforce authority and make decisions who become, like, deer in the headlights when confronted uh, with a discussion with their nannies.
0: Right, because I'm sure it can be difficult to delegate the raising of your child and sometimes on top of that the care of your home – to someone else, and sometimes it's just it's just a matter of you know not communicating clear enough. They might think that uh, you know if they if they tell a nanny one thing just kind of casually that the nanny will understand exactly what they mean, and that's not always the case. I think we should back up and point out that nannies are not a one size fits all type of employee. According to the International Nanny Association, that you can visit at nannies.org. <laughs> There are three main models of nanny care, which is custodial care, coordinated care, and surrogate care. And within those three umbrellas, you have all different branches of nannying, such as sleep trainers, which are nannies that come in just to train your children to sleep well. And Molly, I think that I could use a sleep trainer if I had a little more disposable income. That sounds pretty (laughs) great, being taught how to sleep perfectly. And then you also have... Au pairs, for instance, who are people who come in from overseas to oversee the children. And generally, they're only allowed to take care of kids for up to a year, and then they'll have to apply for a special visa extension. And you have newborn care specialists for those first few difficult months with your
1: little bundle of joy when you're getting used to everything. So they're all all sorts of, of nannies. Well, let's talk about these models that you threw out, Kristen, because... It seems like a lot of the tension that comes between mothers and nannies are when the lines of what's expected of the nanny are blurred, both to the nanny and to the parents. And so the first one you mentioned, custodial care, that means that the nanny's role is limited to meeting the children's physical and emotional needs during their parents' absence. In this model, the parents manage the children's day by providing the nanny with specific guidance, and the nanny does not have a voice regarding child-rearing practices or parenting philosophies. That's text that's directly from this International Nanny Association. So it's it's someone who's just in the home doing exactly what the parents want with the child. Now, in a coordinated model of nanny care, the nanny is a team player in raising the child. You know, the nanny uh, is essentially a partner with the parents. She can decide how they're going to spend their days, and that's sort of the middle ground between coordinated and surrogate model. And the surrogate role, as the name implies, the nanny is the primary caregiver, you know, the, the parents might be traveling a lot and the nanny has to make all of the decisions for the child, you know, whether to take it to the doctor or whether to keep it home from preschool. And, uh, I think it's when people don't know exactly which model they're using and exactly what the nanny's role is that a lot of this, um, tension comes into place.
0: Right. And obviously no matter what type of nannying you're doing, it comes with a lot of responsibility because like it or not, you're responsible for, other little human beings and making sure that they are safe and sound. So how much are they compensated for all of this responsibility? Because a lot of times they're in the homes of people who are doing pretty well, they're fairly well off. Um, according to the International Nanny Association, uh, live out nannies. Nannies who don't live with a family are paid on average an hourly w- rate of anywhere from 725 to to $20 per hour. And then you have full-time live-in nannies, who are the more Mary Poppins style, they they stay at the house 24-7, who earn anywhere from $300 to $1,000 or more per week.
1: But there are sticky situations in between there, the issue of overtime, uh, when a family goes on vacation, does the nanny go too? If so, is she working more hours than she would have worked if the parents have been home with the children? And that's one of the reasons that the Domestic Workers United Group has been really pushing for nannies to be recognized as professionals. You know, we keep them as sort of, you know, someone we can hire and let go at will, and these nannies want rights. And so in September of this year, the state of New York passed legislation uh, for these domestic workers that entitles them to vacation days, uh, sick days, appropriate notice of termination because these uh relationships have been so loosey-goosey that, that I think that's part of the reason why organizations like the International Nanny Association have sprung up among others these organizations are trying to teach mothers who you know have never hired a nanny before how to deal with this new employee right and just for a little bit of historical
0: context as to why they have to in 2010 push for things like mandated, minimum wage is because throughout history, politicians have strategically excluded domestic workers, including nannies from federal and state labor laws. Um, For instance, when President Roosevelt uh, was trying to push through federal minimum wage in 1937, in order to win the support of Southern Democrats in Congress, he announced that the bill would not apply to domestic help. Mm -hmm. And that was back in 37. And we still have not uh, we we still haven't corrected that at all. So we're having to go now on a state-by-state basis, beginning with New York.
1: And, you know, I was reading an interview with one uh, of the women who's been associated with pushing through this legislation, and she was asked why this has taken so long. And she made a really interesting point that raising children, cleaning a home is thought of as women's work. And historically, women, wives, mothers have done that unpaid. And so the fact that now we can hire someone to do it for us causes a lot of, you know, I, I think that people still don't value it the way that they should, which is why I think the, the salaries between different nannies vary. And I also think that's why women feel so guilty about hiring a nanny is because they have been told historically, this is supposed to be your job. You're the one who's supposed to wash your child's clothes and make your child's meals. And how dare you bring in someone else to do it for you? And so these women who come in, these nannies who come in for families and really help these women out in pursuing their career goals, And in just maintaining a level of sanity, really become, you know, this guilty secret because we women are trained to think we should be able to do it all. And then one thing that you might not think about
0: in terms of, say, immigrants who are coming in and taking jobs as nannies, they are in these upper middle class homes, earning as much money as they can, caring for other people's children so that they can support their children at home in another country. And there was one woman who was interviewed in Salon. I believe she was an executive editor at Marie Claire. And she ended up writing a book about nannying and she had sort of a memoir type of, uh, type of book. And she also had a nanny and she was talking about how among these, these New York women, these wealthy New York women who all had nannies, there was even a racial hierarchy Mm -hmm. that would come out wherein. Uh, Swedish women were seen as the creme de la creme nannies. And then it goes down from there. And it's incredibly racist. Absolutely. And I think these are more pertinent issues than things like, was your nanny going to steal your husband?
1: You know, well, you know, and I was reading another article that said that women want to be able to justify this decision to hire a nanny. And so they'll it will seize upon someone who might speak a different language and they'll justify having a nanny as, Oh, you know, the kid can learn a different language while he or she is young. And it was, you know, women already feel so guilty about bringing this help in. And then they feel guilty. Like you said, of all these class and race issues that, you know, sometimes they will just cling to the fact that they're exposing their child to a different culture. But what happens, you know, when you do actually leave for work and you're leaving your kid there with the nanny, so many essays we came across of women who felt so jealous of their nanny Mm -hmm. because they felt that A, the, the nanny got to spend all day with their kid, and B, their kid might end up liking the nanny more than them, the mother.
0: Now, some parents who are nervous about leaving their children with nannies, or if they just sense that something is a little bit off, if their children are really young and might not be able to communicate exactly how well or how poorly a nanny is
1: doing, they will leave behind... The nanny cam. The nanny cam. And this is a hotly, obviously, debated topic within the nanny community. And I think that this is one where we, you know, the stories that end up on the news. I mean, how often have you seen a story on the news where the nanny was viciously abusing the child? Caught on nanny cam. I mean, obviously, it's the bad stories that are going to make the headlines. And I think that spells trouble for all those nannies who are actually doing their job. And one article we found on them said that people who choose to go the nanny cam route really already know something's wrong with the nanny. Mm -hmm. And it would have been better if they could have just talked with the nanny. But some nannies like them as insurance. You know, there was this one nanny, and she was taking care of some brats, it sounded like, who they were fighting. And one kid got hurt, and uh, the kid was like, we're going to tell our mom you did this. But, you know, the nanny knew she had the nanny cam to back her up. Mm -hmm. But what all those people were saying, by and large, was if you're going to have one, tell your nanny. But that just gets this larger issue of how to communicate with the nanny, with someone that you kind of want to be part of your family, but who you also have to view as an employee.
0: Exactly. And that's why the International Nanny Association and certain parent coach agencies are set up to really teach parents the importance of outlining exactly what the nanny's roles and responsibilities are. Because some nannies might just need to pick up the kids from school, Take them home, make him a snack, do the laundry, and call it a day. Other nannies might have to do
1: far more. Maybe the d- nanny needs to walk the dog. Who knows? And sometimes the mothers may not even know until they have the nanny, like what they need from the nanny or what even their parenting philosophy is. And so they may kind of give the nanny, you know, free reign to get started. And it's only a little bit afterwards that they're like, oh, I really don't like the way she disciplines. Or I really don't like the way she folds the laundry because that was a problem that one, woman was having with her nanny and it's it's got to be this ongoing evaluation of roles and responsibilities it's you know we've talked one of our very first podcasts, Kristen, was about how women don't like to negotiate and i think having a nanny one way to ease that guilt is to see it as a constant negotiation and as long as you and the nanny both expect that then it doesn't have to be this situation that's fraught with tension about, you know, you're ordering this woman around and you hope she doesn't take it out on your kids because she gets offended at something you say, as long as both parties can go into it with this hope of open communication, it sounds like it can be a really enriching experience for both mother, father, and the children.
0: Absolutely. Because one thing that did not come up in all this research we were doing was how having a nanny somehow harms your child development. Mm -mm. No. Not at all. Nannies, nannies are there and they can be a godsend for a family and especially for allowing women to get into the workplace and pursue their careers and maintain families. Mm-hmm. So. A nanny
1: can be a way to have it all if you, if you allow it to be. But you know, the thing is, I didn't have a nanny. I don't employ a nanny now. So we want to hear from you guys out there. I bet we have lots of listeners who are nannies themselves some who employ nannies and we want to know what has made or broken a relationship between you and your employer slash employee. The address is momstuffathowstuffworks.com. Nanny anecdotes welcome.
0: Yes, and please share also anecdotes on our Facebook page. Well, I have one here from Justin and it's in response to our podcast on chivalry. He says, I just wanted to throw in my two cents about this chivalry topic. I'm from the South as well, so I'm familiar with the courtesy that you're talking about. I'm also a gay man, so I felt like I can look at this objectively. From my experience, women, most women do want it both ways. They absolutely want to be equal in decision-making, work, pay, and everything, but the man had better open the door and pay for dinner. Personally, I think it all comes down to supply and demand. Men do things that women want because the men want something the women have, and it's not the kind words or a home-cooked meal. Personally, it seems to me that if a woman wants to be equal, you have to take gender out of all decisions where it's possible to do so. Let's not just be nice to women. Let's be nice to everyone. Whoever gets to the restaurant door opens it first, and you either split the check or whoever makes the date pays. Oh, and by the way, I hate being asked to squish bugs. They're gross. It's more gross when they're squished, and I don't want to do it any more than a woman does. It seems forced equality always seems to push the pendulum back the other way. I know there's not usually just black and white, but in this case, I say let's just do
1: it. I
0: think you got a great perspective, Justin. Thanks so much for sharing it. So if you have any thoughts you'd like to send our way, our email address is HowstuffWorks.com. You can also head over to our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And finally, you can read our blog. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You, and it's at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage.